Hi, this is Michael Shapiro, and this is the Delacorte Review Podcast, where we talk about real true stories and how they happen. Today, I'm going to be talking with Carl Friedman, who came to us with a love story. Now, love stories, contrary to what you might think, are among the hardest stories to tell because so often they end up being a string of adjectives or a listing of qualifications, like, I love my partner because he or she is a good listener, that sort of thing. The best love stories get told as stories, meaning, tell me about how you two first met. Except for Carl, the love story he needed to tell was not about his wife and children, whom he loves dearly. It was about something different, surfing. And it is a love story told in stories, waves of them. Carl, what were you doing at oh, 8 o'clock this morning? Eight o'clock. Well, I didn't have a watch on me, so I can't really uh, tell you exactly. But I was definitely in the water down uh, down at Black's Beach here in La Jolla. And how long had you been in the water by that point? Um, I got to the bottom of the, or I got onto the sand by let's say quarter to six. So I was in the water by about ten to six, I would say. So I would say over two hours, a little over two hours. And you got back. You flew in with your family from London last night, right? Yeah, with a little uh, with a little hour and a half delay, courtesy of uh, British Airways. Okay. So in other words, you flew in last night. Jet lag be damned. You were up at dawn or before dawn this morning. Yeah. And before you could do anything else, no breakfast, no nothing, you were you were in the water. Yeah, and actually I was up before then because um, uh, where my parents' house is is kind of above the cliffs, above the beach, and if there's if the waves are big enough, you can hear them even if the windows are closed, so you hear this kind of rumbling going on. So I was up at a little after 4, and, I mean, the waves didn't wake me up, but I, it was probably a little bit of the jet lag, but I could hear them, and, and having, you know, having that swirling around my head I couldn't get back to sleep so I was up four for a good hour or something then I kind of drifted off for maybe half an hour and then I woke up again and I thought well I might as well get my wetsuit on so uh, that's how my morning started so what we're talking about obviously is your life right now as a you are how old Uh, I, I turned 48 in in October happy birthday Oh, <laughs> just a kid. Thanks, Michael. Right. Um, but what's it like to be a surfer who is living in what is essentially a landlocked part of the world? There, are, there is surf, surf in England, but it's not contiguous to where you are. How have how have you created a surfing life with the fact that you are forty eight and have a job and have a wife and have two children? And it can't be as it was when you were young. Yeah, I just didn't feel like I had much choice in the matter. It was just it, it's something, uh, surfing isn't just something I do. I, I feel it's just it's part of my uh, makeup. So to deny that would just be um, um, really just nothing I could really uh, face. So you have to carve out a way to, to make it work. Um, it, it, it wasn't really a, a conscious decision. It was just uh, something I, that just had to um, uh, find its place. And luckily, Ty is very uh, 
embracing of 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 this side of me, even though it does uh, create some tension and, and some frustration. Ty is your wife, and how old are your kids? Uh, thirteen and nine. Are there waves? I don't know how many you would even count that stand out as experiences that you can recall with incredible precision even now without looking it up. They just they're just there and you can remember exactly what the sensation was like. Yeah, there there are quite a few of those. Um I don't know how how one could really stand out from from another, but there are there are really special places that you go and certainly you know, countless sessions in Indonesia kind of uh, um, measure up to that. Uh, one one wave in particular, um, uh, I got the, my first time out there, and I'd heard so much about it. There was so much anticipation and uh, an occasion surrounding this this day, and we rounded this corner on on this boat, and I was deadly seasick and uh not really in 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 the right frame of mind but this wave was just peeling perfectly down this uh down this reef and uh it just this, it, it wasn't uh anything that I was surfing at the moment but just seeing that wave for the first time was just something really uh really special i remember going back a step what sort of set this story in motion is that you came by one day and We've known each other for a while, and I've always known that you love to surf. And I remember, I don't know why it never occurred to me before to ask you, what is it like surfing a really big wave? Do you remember that conversation? Yeah. And how you described it akin to like an elevator? Do you, can you recount that? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there are big waves and big waves. I mean, I'm not surfing these these colossal um, you know, 60-foot behemoths that you see, you know, local news coverage kind of uh, covering. But it, the 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 concept is the same. That if if you have a one of these, you know, uh, kind of draining big big waves, there's so much water kind of getting sucked off the reef as the waves advance toward the shore that 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 water coming off the reef goes up the face of the wave. So when you're paddling into it. You have to kind of counter that that movement of of water pushing you up to the top of the wave, and if if you don't if you don't um, uh, exceed that that speed of uh, of that water coming up, you're just going to go to the, right to the top and get thrown over. So your your paddling strength that's uh, that's a that's hugely vital to to counteract that, as well as you know the right board. Uh, Choice, so a little more volume, a little more length, maybe, to uh, to kind of uh, get you more speed. So then you um, you're in control of that 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 uh, that water coming up, but you're still getting lifted quite a lot, and you just have to um, uh, time it so that when when it's time to get to your feet, uh, you're in the right place and you're not too high up, because then. Uh, you'll you'll just get launched right in, right uh, into the flats, as we say, right in front of the wave, and uh, it's not a pretty picture. That experience of being lifted up, that was really what I was remembering from that conversation. Mm-hmm. And you described it, I think, as it was like akin to getting on an elevator that's open on all sides, right? It was something, something like that? Yeah, you really have to start paddling into the wave almost at the bottom of it because you know that that wave is going to lift you up. 
So, and and it, it's quite a sensation. You, you you're almost at the trough of the wave, or maybe a few feet above it, and you just you just see the whole. Um, you just sense the whole wall of, of water kind of lifting you up, and you know that you, you better uh, you, you better have the paddle strength to to counteract that that flow to, to actually get to your feet and drop back into it. So um, yeah, it's it's quite a sensation. I had a couple of those this morning, and then you really uh, it's it's really quite a rush. So I want to tack away from the surfing for a second and talk about the story because what happened we met. And we be, and you told me that story about that wave, and I said, "Hey, why don't you write me a letter about that?" And sometimes writers will do that, and they'll say, "Okay, fine, I'll write you one letter, and maybe time will pass." But what followed was it was actually fascinating. Once you started sending letters, they came, it, they came in waves. What was happening for you as you began to sort of? write letter after letter after letter about your experience, which is how we worked on this story? I, I, think, I think all of these, these uh, I don't know what to call them, maybe parallels or, or cause, uh, things that I see just in everyday life that I can somehow link to surfing or tenuously kind of uh, uh, remind myself of surfing. It, it just happens all the time. So this was a way to... Uh, just write these things down and to kind of uh, make them more uh, tangible in a way because they're always kind of floating in my head, and um, and this was this is a great method for me to uh, to really uh, anchor them somehow. So whenever I was done with one, you know, I'd be working on one, and uh, I'd write some notes kind of at the bottom of the word document that might kind of lend itself somehow to, to the document I was working on. Sometimes they'd work, sometimes they wouldn't. And then when I'd come to uh, uh, maybe 2,000, 3,000 words or something, I thought, well, I think this is enough for the next installment. So whatever didn't fit or didn't work for that, I would just lift and put it in the next one. So, so there was always this kind of test kitchen going on of ideas or or thoughts that uh, that would come up, and if they didn't fit the one I was working on, I just put them into the next one, and then flesh them out, and then that process just kept um, perpetuating, and you know uh, I've, I'm still doing it, <laughs> <laughs> and there, there, it just seems to be an endless um, uh, uh, factory of of things that 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 come to me, and um, it's not really a, a traditional research piece because it's all just stuff that I that I see and, and um, experience or or or, uh, or see some kind of connection with it and and surfing just has that uh, capacity to um, to show a lot of, of uh, other facets of life that don't seem connected at all. How so? If you look at it at the surface, uh, you know you wouldn't think that. You know, things that I do at work or my commute into work has anything to do with surfing. But then I'll, I'll see something uh, or hear something or smell something that'll just be a, a portal back to something that that has a hook in surfing. For example, um, 
obviously they, they do a lot of construction in, in, in London, and I'm on a bike a lot uh, going to the office, and sometimes they'll be working on these um, resins, you know, for whatever reasons of fixing something, and, it, and you'll get these wafts of, of resin, which, which smells exactly like a surfboard factory. So the, there's these constant little reminders and, and uh, teasers. So for me, I think that's uh, it's an interesting parallel, and, and to be able to write it down was, uh, was a great uh, privilege, really. So when you're doing this, it begins with, I don't even want to say the word, something triggers that letter that you send. And it can, as you're describing, it could be something totally mundane the smell of resin, and all of a sudden, it just takes you to any number of memories, I guess. And what was interesting about the process, it seemed as if there was no predicting what would happen. It wasn't as if, this smell reminds me of this, and therefore, I remember this specific thing. It would just take on, each of the letters, in a way, would take on a life of its own. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't stop at just... Uh... You know, bike rides. I just, you know, I'm doing this this bell ringing, and I, I'm seeing parallels of surfing and bell ringing. And you, no, no, there's no bell ringer who would who would think, oh yeah, yeah, you're a surfer. I can see why you're doing this. You know, <laughs> explain. <laughs> by the way, I was so confused when you first wrote about bell ringing. Of course, I'm thinking of English handbells, but you're talking about the Quasimodo big bells, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm, I'm working on my posture, so uh, I don't. <laughs> I'm not, not going to succumb to that. It's my quick association. Forgive me. So when it came to the writing, these letters, and I think you must have sent us, I think at last count there were almost 30, and still coming, even though the story is yeah, done. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I finished 20, I'm on 29 right now, and, you know, some are longer than others, but I think it's, it, it must be hitting 80,000, 90,000 words now. <laughs> well, of course, and you're, you're saying that, you know, now that the story has already been published. Right. But, but what's interesting is that did you, because you've been a journalist and an editor, you know, at various publications for the for last 15 years. Yeah. Was the process of writing letters akin in any way to the experience you had either in surfing or in the bell ringing where you didn't have to be self-conscious? You just, you had the skill set and you could just use this, the skills and the tools and the gifts that you had to just simply write without having to think too much. Yeah, it, it was it was very um, because because the process was so self-contained. I didn't have to do a lot of research or or investigating or anything. It was just I, I mean I'd be out in the water and I and I would I would you know in between what because surfing is a lot of sitting. <laughs> Uh, it's not always standing up and riding. You're you're sitting and paddling, and and you're kind of, you're you're in your own head quite a lot. So, I mean, a lot of these letters just were were born out of just sitting in the water and thinking, oh, I, yeah, that could be a good topic, or oh, I can see how that that can that could uh, I could form a few paragraphs out of that. So I make these kind of um, uh, compartments or, or these these little um, lists of things to, you know, once I get back to a computer or, or something to write on, I make notes and, and think, well, that, that could be something there. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But, um, yeah, the, the process was, um, was, was quite um, effortless in a way. It, it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't feel forced or, or uh, over, 
overdone really and I tried not to overwrite it too much it was just um it's just things that came out quite easily for me you know it's interesting because in the course of these letters what happened is letters came in and our wonderful editor Mike Hoyt began to move the letters around and essentially what he did working with you was create a narrative um, but without imposing too much of a heavy-handed narrative structure on it. But one of the themes that emerged am among the many, but one of them was this preparation for going to Indonesia. That, and it really built to the extent to which you, what you showed was how much your entire life, every spare thought when you're not thinking about your, you know, your wife and your kids and work, is about surfing. Yeah. And how important did that trip to in Indonesia become for you? Um, yeah, that, that was my 14th trip there. So it, it was, it was, it's, it's kind of a cyclical thing. I, I know that once, um, once, once, uh, you know, the thought process begins, it's, it's just, it's a constant drumbeat. I mean, I, I'm already, uh, planning for the next one in, in April. So there's, <laughs> so there's already, you know, uh, thoughts and patterns in, in the works of, okay, there's all these options and, um, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a constant thing going on. It's, it's not so, uh, frontal yet, but it's, it's kind of, it's, it's already started. So it's, um, it's all a question of wh where to go. And, and, uh, it's all kind of, it's, um, based around a, a small work trip that I have to do in, in Jakarta every year. And luckily enough, that's, you know, right in the, right in the belly of some of the best surf in the world. And it's, it's a matter of planning of uh, where to go after that and getting the time off and, you know, making sure that everything's in uh, uh, taken care of on the England side of things. And then once I get to Indonesia, Things are planned, and uh, I'm making the most out of my time there. Do you think, having written this story this way, begun to written this story but continuing to write, that you're moving on to a new phase of your life as a writer because of the experience of how you did this one? I certainly hope so because um, I've I'm, I've been uh, in this kind of business journalism uh, uh, sector or. Or this the style of journalism for, for ten years or so now, and, and it, it's quite cut and dry. And you start realizing you're you're meeting kind of the same kind of people, and it's it's quite stilted writing and very tawdry and and then insipid. So you, you kind of have to have to write about the same thing over and over again in in a slightly different way. And, and if I hear the words challenges and opportunities one more time, I just it just makes me wretch, just the same old thing all over and over again. So in a way, I'm, I'm glad that I've been with the company I'm with now because there's been kind of a rotation of different industries. Like, um, you know, I'm working with wind technology and oil and gas and, and uh, leather industry. I didn't know anything about leather industry a few years ago. So there, there's a big... Um, catalog of, of business journals and the editors kind of rotate every now and again. So that, that keeps things somewhat fresh, but uh, I've kind of gone around the, the loop a couple of times and, and I'm, I just kind of come know what to expect now. So uh, doing this has been a great um, side project for me and it's, it's been very stimulating. 
and I certainly hope that this is something I can uh, I can kind of uh, uh, move into a little bit more of. This has been the Delacorte Review Podcast. Our producer is Katie Ferguson, and the theme music that you've been hearing is by Jim Okar. The Delacorte Review appears three times a year, winter, spring, and fall. Issue number one, five very different stories on the theme of home, is now available online at www.delacortereview. That's one word, and Delacorte is spelled D-E-L-A-C-O-R-T-E, review.org, where we publish a new story every week. Or if you want to read all the stories at once, it's also available as an ebook. The review's editor is Mike Hoyt. Senior editor is Sissy Falicant. Associate editors are Abigail Covington and Natasha Rodriguez. Our illustrations are by the wonderful Eleanor Hamelin. We'll see you next week. <laughs>